Hello, welcome to the Dear Writer podcast. I'm Sarah. And I'm Ashley. We're two aspiring collaborative authors sharing our writing journey with you. The ups, the downs, and everything in between. Whether you're just starting out or a more experienced writer, we hope that you'll find this podcast inspiring and thought-provoking. And here's the show. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Dear Writer. Today, we are up to episode 28. And so this episode marks one year of this podcast running, I do believe, Ashley. Yeah, it does. How very exciting. It doesn't really feel like a year has gone by. It certainly does not. I can't believe we're already, I know everyone always says this, like whatever month, it's like, I can't believe we're already nearly in May, but. (laughs) I still blame COVID for the time warping. We are in May, actually, sorry. We are in May. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh, Sarah, this has gone, this has gone really well at the start. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my goodness, I'm really tired today. (laughs) I'm going to use the same excuse I use every time. It's the morning here and I've only just woken up. It's not the morning here, but I have just gone back to full-time work for the first time in forever and I am exhausted already. (laughs) So that's my excuse. Anyways, how is your writing going, Ashley? It's going okay. I feel like I've been making quite steady progress over the past probably couple months and Sarah and I actually calculated how many words we'd written the other day and we passed the 40,000 mark, probably actually closer to 50,000 words. So we were very happy with that because it kind of feels like we haven't written very much. I don't know if it makes any sense to any other writers out there. Yeah, it feels like we're just still in the really early stages of the novel. It does. We're probably, I mean, we are a quarter of the way through or something. Probably. Maybe like a third. I'm not sure. Maybe. We're like 15, 15 chapters through. It feels like we've just started it. It does. It does. <laughs> even though we've been doing this for months. <laughs> well, even though we're 15 chapters through. Anyway, more specifically, I did finish the chapter I was working on last time and I'm about a hundred, uh, I was going to say a hundred thousand words. Oh my gosh. A thousand <laughs> words. <laughs> about a thousand words actually 1300 words I think was last night through the next one however I think I'm going to delete a whole chunk of it because I don't like how my character sounds it doesn't it sounds too sinister and I didn't want it to come across sinister when I was reading it back yesterday so that might be I might just either delete all of the dialogue or I'll just possibly tweak it a bit so we'll see what happens with that and Mm. it's kind of good because this chapter Although our book isn't split into parts, it's a three-month time jump from the previous chapter that I wrote. So I hope it's going to be a bit easier because our character's now very well accustomed to his new life. So hopefully yeah. there won't be as much of him not understanding or being confused or questioning everything and it being a bit awkward to write. So I'm hoping it will flow a bit easier from this point. Yes. Fingers crossed. What about you, Sarah? How's your writing been going? I finished the last chapter that I was on. So I think last time I was about a third of the way through it. And so I managed to get that down fairly quickly. And then I previously to writing the last chapter, quite a while ago, really, when I was still waiting for a chapter that Ashley was writing to so that I could could sort of continue on from that chapter. I had already written a little bit of a chapter further on because it didn't need to be written chronologically and so 
it was quite exciting to finally get up to that actual chapter (laughs) (laughs) after so long because I'd already written 400 words or so of it so I was like whoa (laughs) and I think I can't even remember where I'm at now. I think I'm about, I haven't written a whole lot more because I've been very busy with work and getting used to that has been tricky. Like I come home every day and I'm exhausted. Yeah. (laughs) Just all the excitement of a new workplace when you're like, oh my (laughs) God, I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah. And I don't know where anything is. And so like I've been really tired coming home. That's fair enough. I assumed it would take you a little while to figure, like work everything back into your routine and everything yeah like yeah and you know it like takes also, a bit of time you know gotten so used to being these lazy like 7 a.m wake-ups or whatever <laughs> and now I have to get up at 5 30 every morning and it's oh my god what is going on <laughs> my body's just like I can't deal with that amount of sleep <laughs> and yeah it'll just have to I'll have to Take get used some to re- it. recalibration yes that's fair enough though yeah, so I'm trying to get there. <laughs> that's okay, because I think my chapter that's after this one is Leon Tiardi's again, the guy I write. So I think you've got some time. Plus this chapter, the one I'm currently writing, is probably going to take me a little bit, I think. We'll see. Although it might end up being shorter than some of the others, because there's not actually a lot happens in there. Mm. <laughs> um, but we'll see. Yeah, We have enough words already anyways, so I don't think it matters if it's a little short. Yeah, I think at least the one that I am writing, like when I find time to do it, it should be fairly quick because it's in the present again. So there's not a whole lot of research that needs to be done. And, you know, I'm still can't remember. I think I'm about six to 800 words through it, potentially. And there's still like a bunch of stuff that needs to happen. And I can kind of see the link of how I'm going to make it happen too. So I think it should be fairly quick once I actually find the time to sit down and do it. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Anyways, so we should probably continue on with the main topic of this podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Discussing setting. I'm really excited for this. <laughs> I have to say that I used to be, I used to really hate setting, like in high school and stuff, you know, you used to get these essay questions and you could either write about character or theme or setting. And I always, 100%, I was always like, definitely not setting. I'm choosing like theme <laughs> or character. I never I chose setting. I always chose setting because the questions, there were only like so many they could ask about setting so I found it was the easy one because I could pre-prepare and it was almost always guaranteed because it's always setting in theme or setting in character there's not much else you know I don't think high school English examiners are particularly creative when it comes to asking questions about setting. I always I struggled with setting for a long time I feel like I understand it a lot better now that Mm -hmm. you know we've written several books and I understand how pivotal it is to every book you know but it was not always like that so I hope I can at least talk about it with I guess if you're if you're like me and you've struggled with setting in the past hopefully having been there I might be able to give you a bit of a view on why it actually is important (laughs) yeah so yeah so I thought we should probably just briefly overview what setting actually is uh, before we start talking about it in a lot more depth and a lot more with like specific relevance to novel writing. So setting is probably, along with uh, plot, 
character and theme one of the most important elements in a novel or story. And very simply, it is the where and when of your story. And it can be a real place or a fictional one. It can be in the past, present, future, or some other unfamiliar time, whatever you're going with for your story. But it doesn't only encompass the physical location and the time of a place, but it also covers things like the landscape, whether there's some mountains, whether it's snowing, um, what kind of cultures in your place. Uh, so pretty much everything that paints um, the background for whatever's unfolding in the plot of your story. Yeah. And, you know, to be even more specific to that, there are a number of main elements of setting in literature. And so those elements are locale, like so where in the world country, state, region, city, town, neighborhood, street, house, beach, wilderness, all of that. And number two would be so time of year or day. So seasons, holidays, or even, you know, if the plot is revolving around a personal event like a wedding. Or number three would be climate. So that kind of speaks for itself, what the weather is like and the environment and sort of following on to that number four geography natural or man-made river lakes bridges or skyscrapers number five would be your time period so you know what era your book is set in and number six your sort of social political and cultural environment which are extremely wide-ranging <laughs> yeah. and you know there's so many different factors that create a culture and in turn affect the characters quite deeply yeah so social environment directly influences the characters values beliefs and upbringing so I guess that's a little bit of a background about setting it's a lot to consider because I guess you traditionally think of it as it's set here in this time and that's kind of it but there's a lot, you know, that's also in the umbrella of setting that I think sometimes, well, one, we forget that it's part of setting and take yeah. it for granted a little bit. Yeah, definitely. I thought we'd start with an easy-ish question, and that's why we think getting the setting in your novel right, so like nailing the setting, why that's so critical for your story. So I think the setting of the story affects the whole tone of your story. So it changes the way that the characters view the world. It changes the physical way that characters move through their world. It affects their thoughts, their culture, and it provides conflict and challenges to the characters. Obviously, setting and world building is going to be incredibly important in things like fantasy and science fiction. But it is also equally important in stories that have more of a real life basis to them you know putting aside the, the huge impact of culture in different places of the world like we were talking about before with the different sort of social and cultural environments there is there's also differences within different parts of the same city so for example a wealthy businessman who lives in a fancy bachelor pad uptown is going to face much different challenges than a single mother renting like a tiny apartment in a rundown part of the same town so your setting is going to be quite different and like if you were to tell those two different stories in the same city right definitely it is pretty much the background to everything you're going to write in your novel so that means that it's really important that you get it right from the start 
it pretty much, I guess it kind of grounds your novel and also directly influences your character. Like you said, Sarah, like even just where they live has a huge impact on how they're going to act and behave. And even when you're thinking about the character development or who your character is, they've been shaped by their experiences, but also they've been shaped by the places and the environments and even the culture and things that they've been raised in and exposed to. So all of that, I guess, can be counted as setting as well. So I think that's Mm -hmm. really important. And it also has a direct link to your plot and to your theme as well. So I guess some people might not take setting really, really seriously, but it does affect pretty much all aspects of your novel. So it's at least worth considering and thinking about it, you know, having a really good think about where you're setting your book. When I was thinking about setting, when I was writing the notes for this show, I kind of thought of it as taking the setting in one of your favorite novels and then trying to imagine that novel being set somewhere else or somewhere different. The first one I thought of was Diana Gabaldon's Outlander series. Like if it wasn't set in Scotland, what a different book it would be. I was imagining it like in Sweden in the mountains or something. And I was like, (laughs) such a different novel. It would be amazing. But different, but really different. Yeah. And the other one that came to mind was imagining if The Lord of the Rings wasn't set in Middle Earth and it was set as like a space western or something. So now space. (laughs) I was like, that novel would be so different. (laughs) Can someone write that, please? Yes, please. I would read Um, a Lord of the Rings sci-fi version. (laughs) That sounds amazing. I think so too. Like Sauron, like some like evil, imagining like, you know, a Vader version of like Sauron or something. (laughs) Wondering to rule them all. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Uh, Could you imagine if the eye was just on top of a spaceship flying around? (laughs) That is great. That is so amazing. Anyways, different story though. (laughs) Different story. Entirely. Very different. So yeah, so that's why... I think setting is really important and that leads quite nicely into the next part which was about uh, how do you choose where to set your book what do you think Sarah? Well I actually have a sort of experience of this that I wanted to share so choosing the setting is quite interesting Um, when I (laughs) first started trying to write my own book I didn't want to give it a place as such initially I kind of wanted it to feel as if the events of the story could happen to anyone anywhere in the world. It did kind of have a setting. It it started out or it starts out in a psychiatric hospital, but I didn't initially define the setting any further until I got about halfway through the story when I realized that in order for it to feel real, I needed to pull details from this fictional setting and actually name the place. (laughs) (laughs) I could have made it entirely fictional and that would have been fine, but because I wanted specific things and I felt like it would have drawn away from the story if I didn't nail it down to a place that people would be like, where is this place? Like, you know, it would have worked, but it maybe wouldn't have had the same weight to it and probably I wouldn't have been able to I wouldn't have been able to sort of grow the setting naturally and it it would have just been a lot less detail a lot less thought out maybe even struggle with contradictions and things like that because I hadn't really thought it through so I decided to try to nail down a place and then by then I had specific (laughs) features 
that I needed to include for the story to work. Oh no. <laughs> like it had to have a beach. Um, <laughs> you know, it had to have a beach. It had to have both wealthy and poor areas fairly close together. Yeah, oh no. <laughs> so you can see the kind of things that I was looking at. I was like, oh, but eventually I did find a place that worked fairly well, I would say. I think and so. Yeah, Ashley's read it, so she, yeah. she knows. Well, they shouldn't know that initially it had no. No, I did not know that. No place. So I, I think I did fairly well in like weaving it in, but it did make it a lot more work. And I would definitely suggest that you fix the setting in your mind before starting (laughs) and then you won't have any strange contradictions and if it's a real place then you can add in specific details to make it come alive and if it's not a real place like if it's a fantasy world or whatever else that's totally fine in fact you know it's awesome because it takes so much imagination to create a whole world but it might help to think about how your character is going to operate in the setting to begin to build that world. So, you know, how do they travel? Where do they live? What does it look like? I think that giving the readers specific details will help them to see your characters in the world that you are building. What do you think, Ashley? I definitely agree. I can't imagine trying to write um, (laughs) a novel in a not generic place but a place that you know you could imagine kind of being anywhere and then trying to find a place that fits (laughs) yes I did it very backwards but you know as I said (laughs) setting has grown in importance in my mind (laughs) even quite recently (laughs) it's quite funny yeah but anyway so I think Obviously, if you're trying to decide on a setting, it really depends on the story you're trying to tell, because some stories, like our ancient Greece book, the background and the setting is integral to the entire plot. So in those instances, you're probably already going to have a fair idea of where you want your story to be set in the first place. Mm -hmm. Generally, I would assume. Um, In others, maybe it's not so integral but I think you definitely still need to consider where it's going to be set uh, whether it's real or imagined or I wrote somewhere in between which is kind (laughs) of what I felt we found with our teen fiction series where we wanted it to be set Mm. in New Zealand but we didn't want it to quite be the New Zealand that everyone knows so we have most of it's based in what New Zealand's like but then there's some parts that we've had to twist a little bit and change so it's it's an imagined New Zealand but it's still grounded in familiarity I think which is what we wanted I think when we talk about specifics and setting as well is that when we started off with that series as well we wanted to make it feel like you know we still set it within the the city yeah but we were a lot more loose with where So, you know, it felt like sometimes when we we were trying to edit it, they'd just pop out of the bush and they'd be like in the middle of the city or something. (laughs) (laughs) Barely any travel. And so, you know, we had to try and fix some of those elements. And I think if we had tried to be a bit more specific from the beginning, we may have have had those issues so much. (laughs) So once uh, you know whether your setting is real or imagined. If it's real, you can then go about finding, like you did, Sarah, a place that fits the requirements. (laughs) (laughs) Um, If it's imagined, then you can make it up. 
So we actually did this for a part in our ancient Greece book because we have a section that's set in the modern day. And we, at the beginning, didn't know exactly where we were going to set it. We had a few requirements, though, based on the backstories of our characters and some elements of the plot that had to happen. And so by combining those two things and also choosing things that will help our character development, we ended up landing on the one that we chose, which then allows you to do some research to, you know, ground it better and have it be more realistic. But yeah, so that's kind of how we've gone about choosing our settings. But I think that can be applied more like widely mm. to whatever book you're working on. Yeah. So I thought then we could move on to talking about how we both of us go about actually setting up the scene, the scene, setting the scene initially. And that was way too hard. <laughs> Everything's hard today. It really is. How do we initially set the scene in our novels was going to be the question I was trying to <laughs> <Okay>. ask. <laughs> So for me, I think it's really important to establish the setting of your book as soon as you possibly can, and also in the most interesting way that you can. So basically, I think that the opening scene in your book needs to address and show the readers where the book is set, what the tone of the place is like, and the time period, and pretty much as much as you can without overwhelming the reader and making them bored. Yeah, uh, It's probably how I would phrase that. And I actually thought I'd use some examples for this because when I was thinking about it, these two things popped into my mind and I thought, actually, this is a good place to share it. So I'm not saying that Sarah and my writing is perfect or anything, but I think the two paragraphs I'm about to read out um, are a good contrast and highlight my point, I think, well enough um, <laughs> for you guys. Okay, so the first paragraph I'm going to read out is the opening paragraph in our first teen fiction novel, When the Rain Falls, and it's from one of the first drafts, so ooh, maybe ooh, three iterations or so yeah. before the one that we currently have. So it goes, I stared up at the fading sunlight. The day was a perfect cloudless blue. It was the exact type of day I liked, with a slight spring breeze in the air to keep it from getting too hot and the sun beaming in the sky. I shut the car door and with my thick black coat tucked over one arm, I headed towards the brick house that had basically been my second home for as long as I could remember. <laughs> so <laughs> it's fairly lackluster at best uh, for an opening paragraph, which is definitely why we changed it. But uh, in terms of setting, it does have a lot of problems first of all it opens with the weather and that's pretty much where it ends as well <laughs> so and it's not very gripping or interesting either uh, and the reader doesn't actually learn anything about the setting that's crucial to the plot in any way shape or form because really the fact that it was sunny but a little <laughs> breezy <laughs> yeah so again it sets some setting none of pretty much none of it except for maybe the fact that it's spring really bears any relevance uh to the plot going forward especially when you know what happens it, the fact that it's a perfect cloudless blue really doesn't matter <laughs> and to be honest spring is not really no it's <laughs> it's anyway it's a fact but it's not really that pivotal to no. the plot <laughs> exactly so i thought i would read you now the rewritten version which is what it currently stands at um, and hopefully you'll be able to see some contrast to the first rendition of this. Okay, so New Zealand used to be a place people wanted to live. 
If you looked hard enough, you could imagine why. Beneath the weed-choked lawns, potholed roads, and houses crumbling from disrepair lay a country that could have been rebuilt if it was given the chance. But we were left to rot, shunned by the rest of the world. So much much better. better. (laughs) So much better. And in terms of setting, we actually have said where it's set and not the fact that it's just a sunny day and it's breezy. And it kind of addresses more of what we wanted the readers to get from it. So we wanted our readers to know that it was set in New Zealand, but we also wanted to highlight that it wasn't set in the New Zealand that everyone knows, if that makes sense. We wanted them to realize that it's not it's not quite right and there's something wrong with this place. Yeah. And also try and kind of color it, I guess, with a lens. So it's not so the readers are like, hey, something's wrong with this picture. Um also why yeah have they been shunned by the rest of the world like what's going on why is this country in disrepair and also hopefully sort of paint so that you can see in your mind hopefully what this place looks like and hopefully we achieve that well at least it's better than the first one by a long shot definitely but anyway so that is I thought two ways uh two paragraphs just to highlight the differences on how you can introduce your setting um and then after that I think it's all about I guess drip feeding information about the setting to your reader to slowly build a clearer picture of the place where it's at without being too like overt in your setting I I don't know about you but I don't like paragraphs and paragraphs and paragraphs just about setting Mm -hmm. I like it when you know you just get a little tidbit here and there or it's inferred rather than um just outright you want it to come through quite naturally I think yeah to feel like the character is you know walking through the the setting or you know they're they're moving through it and this is what they've derived from what they've seen and what they've experienced yeah exactly yeah and sort of continuing on from that so looking at those paragraphs kind of demonstrates what I wanted to say also so I like to start broad and then slowly narrow my focus. So in the examples Ashley read out, the first one doesn't give you any clue of where they are at all, like we've discussed. And in the next revised example, New Zealand is specifically mentioned, but it's referred to, you know, it refers to the country from like a broad bird's eye perspective to start with. So we know it's New Zealand. And then it hones in on specific details of what our character can see. So the weed choked lawns, the potholed roads. But that way the reader feels like they're being drawn into the world rather than maybe being dumped in. But even if you do begin in more of a sort of media res fashion and throwing your readers into the action, at some point you're going to need to have a paragraph or two to orientate your reader's to the settings so that they're able to build the scene in their mind's eye. Because otherwise they've just got these people like speaking (laughs) or doing whatever, you know, you've dumped them into. So you're going to have to have the setting in there in some way, shape or form, even if you start off like with a bang. And, you know, I think I did this as well. And again, with the book that I wrote, like it, it started off, it had a little bit of description of the setting but I tried to keep it quite mysterious and hold back on details. 
at the really sort of beginning, but then when I went through and revised it, it made it a little bit confusing as to, you know, again, I hadn't really nailed down the setting. So it was like, where is this place? Like, what is going on? Which can be good questions, but you kind of need just a little bit more so that your readers can kind of anchor themselves, if that makes sense. So, you know, like I think it would have been somewhere probably within the first few paragraphs, like about three paragraphs down, he goes to sort of starts explaining where he is and why not the full answer of why he's there but sort of parts that of he's it. been dumped in the psychiatric hospital yeah so yeah so that's kind of how I think is a good way to to build your settings is like by starting broad and then narrowing down and you know as we've mentioned the specific details really help like as you're drip feeding through because that they're like so specific, it kind of gives like a small amount of information that can then be like later built upon. And so you're slowly building these specific details to the world that gives the reader a really sharp image of what it's like. Makes sense. They just need to be able to find their feet at the beginning and be like, okay, this is where we are. Yes. Yeah. I can deal with this little bit of information. Exactly. So yeah, I guess as a writer, you want your setting to come alive and evoke emotions in the reader and sometimes settings can even have a life of their own and be viewed as a character all on their own and what do you think Ashley about treating the setting as a character? Again I think it really depends on the story you are trying to tell but I don't think there's any harm in trying to make your setting come alive anyways so it can probably apply uh, at least in that aspect whether or not it's really going to have I guess the the changes that you would see in a character is a whole nother question. Mm. But I feel like at least making it come alive and feel really real, which is what you're trying to do with a character anyways, there's at least just that much minimum, I would I, I would say. And if, we th- if you think about the places that you personally have a connection with, they're not just a beach or they're not just a holiday home. You have memories and feelings that are associated with these places. And when you conjure up these places in your mind, usually the place feels a lot more alive to you and makes you feel things um, when you think about it. And I think when you write your novel, that's what you want your readers to feel as well or see uh, when they're reading it. And if you think about how you feel about certain places in your own life, as you change or as the place changes too, sometimes your feelings towards them are also different. Mm -hmm. And I guess you're trying to convey these same changes to your readers. You want them to feel your setting rather than just see it, you know, rather than just describe it. So I think the way you achieve this mostly is through a combination of emotive language and really carefully choosing what aspects of your setting that you choose to describe. Because I feel like not everything is relevant. If you're Mm -hmm. wanting to bring out like certain emotions or certain thoughts or certain characteristics of your setting you really only want to choose the parts one that are important but to illustrate your point yeah and to do that I have an excerpt that we've actually read out before on this podcast I think it was in one of our analyzing excerpt yes gonna say essay by mean episode Because I think it illustrates quite well about how choosing the right words and choosing the right things to describe can bring whatever setting you're trying to describe to life. So the one I've chosen comes from chapter two, I believe. Um, And it's also the opening paragraph. 
So it's looming purple clouds blotted out the evening sun. And in a hurry, the rain came. Living rurally, I was well used to the sudden nature of it, especially now in springtime. Before long, the paddocks were swamped with deep puddles and the sheep huddled under a dripping tree, staring bleakly back at the house and cursing us for their freshly shorn coats. So I find this brings you really quickly into the setting and it brings quite a good tone to the setting that you're looking at through the words like looming and swamped and huddled and dripping and bleakly it paints quite a quick picture of where you are very dreary very dreary you immediately picture a farm scene you've said it's rurally but you haven't had to describe everything like you haven't described all of the houses all of the fences all of the trees what grass is there Um, you've Mm -hmm. given them just enough for them to be able to say oh yep this is definitely like it's like farmland probably you imagine a really really dark sky and some really sad sheep <laughs> and I would add to that you know this being the second chapter you already have the information that this is New Zealand as well so that even further kind of adds to that and builds on your knowledge from the first chapter so you're like okay so now we're on a farm in New Zealand <laughs> yeah yeah and although I haven't carried on, I think I, in the other excerpt I do carry on, the fact that she like specifically mentions the sheep <laughs> is very, it's quite important as well. And this is the first time that it's mentioned and they end up being further of further importance to the setting as well. But yes, <laughs> good. And it helps illustrate my point about choosing what to describe and using words that evoke certain imagery in people's minds I think is the key to making your setting like a character what do you think Sarah did you have any more to add (laughs) probably not too much more I think you've done a very good job of explaining that I also agree that the setting becoming alive is related to your character's feelings about the setting and If you're thinking about setting changing like a character, the change in the setting is really reflected through the change in the character and their view of the setting as they change. So, I mean, the setting does also change somewhat as well, but that is almost related to theme as well. So it's all kind of tied in quite (laughs) a tight knot together. So there is that to it, but I think when you're talking about imbuing a setting with like a tone and a feeling that is like the majority of that is due to how the character is viewing it and how they're attached to it and what they're feeling is going to sort of paint the scene. You know, you get up in the morning and it's pouring down with rain and you have to go to work and you look outside and you're not like, hey, yay, it's raining. These beautiful sparkling raindrops are falling onto the the pavement as I go out to the garage and (laughs) like, no, that does not happen. It's like the rain was falling wet and thick and well, maybe not thick. Okay. I'm just like (laughs) riffing off the top of my head. (laughs) I'm finishing it like treacle. (laughs) Viscous. The rain was falling wet and heavy, soaking into the ground and puddles you know, whatever. It's going to be a lot more upsetting. It was like, I sluggishly dragged my feet out onto the pavement and shuffled my keys to the car. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but, 
you get the point, right? Like it's about the mood of the character. So that is going to really impact your setting a lot. I was going to say that segues quite nicely into the next part. Yeah, yeah. We can probably continue on. <laughs> no, so which is um how some people say that the main role of the setting is to depict theme. So I read this somewhere amongst my research for this and now I can't remember where it was so I closed all the tabs but whoever it was said that quote-unquote place is destiny I was like oh I quite like that (laughs) and so moving on from that sometimes setting can be used as a metaphor to describe your overall theme have you ever used this or like what do you think about that Sarah? So as we said setting does add a lot to theme as well obviously with a book titled When the Rain Falls. (laughs) We imbue elements of the weather into our story. So that's sort of quite a common way, I think, of imbuing themes into stories through the weather. But it's more than that too. You know, when you look at the actual setting of where we've sort of set our story and what the characters are going through, completely unintentionally, you could say that our teen series is a like the setting is a reflection of the theme you know they feel alone they only have each other to hold on to and the isolation of being in a forest is probably an outward representation of their inner struggles and their feeling of being alone I mean they are alone so yeah they feel alone but (laughs) I mean more than that you know you get this sense of of loneliness and despair and I think just sort of the looming trees and feeling really isolated and pressed in on by like these you know dark shadows and stuff kind of adds to it a lot but also like I remember reading one scene and I was completely baffled at the time as to why the scene was actually necessary at this point we were trying to work out whether we could take out any words because we were still even after dividing it up a bit it was still running at over a hundred thousand words and for a first novel for a teen fiction series that is getting on the longer side yeah (laughs) it's more accepted now I think but yeah typically they're more like 80,000 but so I was reading over this scene and trying to work out why it felt like it fitted and first I couldn't understand what it was adding to the plot in it so Grace and Lizzie jump together into a waterhole and as crazy as it sounds their leap into the water was kind of parallel to them leaping together into an entirely different world than what they had known before because it's quite kind of early on in the book and when I realized that it helped me to see why that scene was necessary and why we hadn't cut it it was really an underpinning truth of the reality that was explained through setting there you go (laughs) I know what you mean about that uh, one particular scene because you're like oh it's kind of weird but I can't get rid of it because I feel like it's linked somehow to the rest of the book well also because you know I was analyzing at that point I was looking a lot at story structure and so you know you've got the inciting event and then (laughs) Jesus I can't remember now (laughs) but you know there's the sort of the hero's call to action And usually they kind of waver a bit and they're like, "Mm, I don't think I really want to be a part of this. And then they decide, yes, we're going to do something about what's happened to us. And it was kind of that point in the story. And although like in this chapter, they even have a discussion kind of about it. 
But aside from that, there was like this random little scene where with the water hole and I was like, what is this scene? <laughs> and then when I kind of saw the metaphor of them like taking a leap of faith, I was kind of like, ah, <laughs> it like, makes sense now. now. I yeah. see. That was, was it one of those weird where your subconscious has put it in and then the critical you yes. is like, why have you done this brain? I don't understand. You're like, what is this frivolous nonsense about swimming in the water hole? I don't understand. I don't always like that part though. But it turned out it was necessary. Yeah. It's one of the bits that survived so many edits as well. Yes, this is true. <laughs> it was there from basically the very beginning. Yeah. The very first iteration. Still there. <laughs> So I definitely agree with what Sarah said with respects to our book. But then again, not everyone's book is going to have that. It's really going to depend on the book that you're writing. But in saying that as well, like flip-flopping here, (laughs) places and your places and your perspectives of them change, but also places themselves change as well. So there's no reason you can't use your setting as a metaphor to convey your theme. So again, when I was thinking about this, I was actually waiting for my dinner to cook. I put my roast pork in like an hour and a half late because I got distracted writing the (laughs) um, outlines for this podcast. So we ate it at 9.30 last night Um, (laughs) because I forgot. I was like, oh my gosh. (laughs) Anyways, I digress. Uh, When I was thinking about it, I was trying to think of books off the top of my head where I could link setting as a metaphor for what happens in the book and I guess because I've been watching Lord of the Rings recently that is where my mind went and I was like well I guess you could argue that in Lord of the Rings Tolkien does use his setting and their travel through Middle Earth as a metaphor for what the story is about which is eventually you know vanquishing the triumph over evil so it starts in Hobbiton in the Shire where it's and if you think about all the emotions that come with the description of the setting of Hobbiton you're like oh happy greenfield party ale delicious food (laughs) and then it moves along uh, and middle earth is threatened with being cast into darkness again and sam and frodo have to eventually journey to mordor and think about what the connotations of mordor are and how dark and horrible it is and when they get to mordor they do end up triumphing over evil they destroy the ring and get to return to the shire which is all happy and green again so i can kind of see how the change of place in that series Mm -hmm. um, kind of reflects the stage and the journey that they're at so i don't know that's my two cents on that i guess Was there anything else you wanted to add, Sarah, about setting that we haven't covered? Um, no, I mean, like we could talk about setting forever. forever. <laughs> <laughs> there is a lot to setting and, you know, there I is. think we've really just skimmed the surface of it. But I think for the purposes of this podcast, at least hopefully everyone got something out of that. <laughs> hopefully. Does that mean we should move on to mistakes of the month? Yes. <laughs> Alrighty. Do you want to go first? Sure. I have a couple. So the first one happened when, so our character Simon, he's handling like a weapon for the first time. And he is kind of practice fighting with one of our other characters. And so it was, what was he supposed to do with it? With an an explanation mark instead of a question mark. (laughs) which made it a lot more dramatic than how it was intended so it was like (laughs) what was he supposed to do with it (laughs) instead of what was he supposed to do with it (laughs) that's amazing it just looked really strange (laughs) i'm just imagining him holding it what are you supposed to do and then like thrusting it into the air (laughs) so that was one of them 
And then the other one that I had was from the same chapter. He closed his eye, immersing himself in a fantasy. <laughs> he closed one, one eye, eye. Of both eyes. <laughs> and just imagine him sitting there. Also, at the time, he's in a bath. So in like a, a sort of Greek bath that's kind of near the gymnasium, sort of washing off with like hot steam and stuff. And so you can just imagine him sitting there, closing one eye and immersing himself in a fantasy. <laughs> Just imagine him with like a monocle on the other eye. Just like, hmm, yes. <laughs> Maybe he had his other eye trained on the the random like woman who was... Possibly. Yeah. There we go. Maybe. He was distracted. <laughs> hmm. Yeah. That's basically all I had this month. Yeah. Oh, that's all right. I've got a few. Okay. So the first one, our two characters are talking and our one character, Simon uses I have to put this into context uses the word hungover but it's obviously set in ancient Greece and that is not a word that they use so our other character's response is what's hungover you always sue weird phrases instead of use so it's the first one that was more me realizing that I couldn't use the word hungover but then wanting to use the word hungover so then having to like find a way for it not to be weird <laughs> had a few of those sentences all right my next one is Sophus had leg spread bracing for Simon's imminent attack instead of had his legs spread so instead Sophus had legs spread apparently that's funny I'd also I mean I don't want to get too edity on you <laughs> that's such a you know precise phrase for editing edity um <laughs> but I would probably change that in a future just yeah even the legs actually spread not because... sure if I did because <laughs> it just makes me think of like a woman spreading her legs <laughs> maybe planted his feet it is there is obviously context there is also context around it it's not just like randomly in true. there and I'm also not sure if that is still how it is because this was from yeah I have like a document where when I find them I just like copy them over we'll see funny. I'm not sure if it's That's still fine. there it's quite amusing <laughs> I think because it was also wrong, it also like it gave me this <laughs> really strange image. <laughs> Usually, maybe I, I probably wouldn't even notice it. You know, you just read over it. It's because you've now read Sophus head leg spread, and you're like, oh no, <laughs> what is going on? Right. The next one I have is thanks for the tip, Simon grubbled, which I think I might keep as a word, just not in this context. But I quite like grubbled. <laughs> <laughs> it's really a cool word. <laughs> cool made up word i'm not oh, i never even wrote what i changed it to i don't know what i changed it to i'm sure it's grumbled <laughs> was it not supposed to be grumbled probably grumbled yes grumbled mm. so back to the chapter to check and i actually <laughs> found another one last night so i i quite liked this one so it's they'd passed each other in the street and exchanged curious hellos <laughs> <laughs> it was Supposed to be courteous. Oh, courteous. (laughs) So the sentence was supposed to be, they'd passed each other in the street, exchanged courteous hellos and the odd amount of general banter, but nothing serious was was the sentence in the end. But instead they exchanged (laughs) curious hellos. (laughs) Hello. Hello? (laughs) Would it be like, hello, what are you up to today? (laughs) It could be. I don't know. Anyways, if any of you have any um, mistakes of the month, please feel free to send them in. We'd love to read them out. 
I know everyone makes mistakes, especially writers, and they're often hilarious hidden mistakes. So yes, please send them in. I actually read a typo in a Seven King book recently. Oh, did you? When I was reading it. So I can fully say that everyone makes mistakes. And that book has been published since like 1980, gone through many, you know, edits, I'm sure. So if Stephen King can have a mistake in a book that's that sort of famed, then it's okay. (laughs) Guys, it's okay. (laughs) I felt so much better about my own mistakes when I read that. I can't remember what it was, but I found a mistake. Anyways, so... Uh, there are still some spots left on our author spotlight section so we're just keeping that open if you want to apply you can go to our website at lindersoncreations.com click on the podcast and the drop down menu the be featured on dear writer and it'll take you to the form to fill out we really enjoy having people on the show we really do so please apply yes and we'd really love to chat with you and hear all about your writing journey and next time on dear writer it is our culturing creativity episode where we're going to talk about how music can help inspire creativity and if you'd like to know any more about us or our writing projects you can visit us on lindersoncreations.com or you can check us out on facebook or instagram which is also under the handle Lindison Creations. yep and if you enjoy the show then please rate and review us on apple Podcasts or subscribe on your podcatcher of choice Tell your friends about us and we'll be back next week. So happy writing, everyone.